and welcome to Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. I'm your host, Wyndham Lewis. I'm here with my two brothers, Jeremy Sartori and Christian Lewis, and we are uh, doing what we do sort of quarterly. We are talking about what we are listening to, and it is um, sort of emanated from a joke that we always said that as soon as you, uh, the greatest sort of mind-clearing question you can ask somebody is, what have you been listening to? And then all of a sudden, you can't remember. Um, but... We wrote it down this time, so we're going to uh, start off. Jeremy, what are you listening to? Were we supposed to write something down? I, uh, no. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, I, uh, yeah, so I, this is always like a good exercise for me. Um, it seems to come like when we record these, when I'm like super busy and I forget that there's great new music happening and uh, Christian, thanks for throwing together a quarterly playlist that we added to, so... It's a lot of good stuff. I mean, I, I like the U.S. Girls. I, I like um, the JPEG and JPEG Mafia and, and Danny Brown. But the two albums I'm going to talk about, and I'll start with uh, a band that's getting a ton of buzz, <clears throat> Asheville, North Carolina's Wednesday. Um, this is one of those bands that I actually didn't realize that I'd actually I'd heard before. Um, they had, a, I think it was 2021 or 2020 uh, album called Twin Plagues, which... Also got some buzz and was kind of on the short list. And uh, the band is made up of Carly Hartsman um, as lead and kind of vocalist. And then um, a guy that, Christian, I think you had on your list last year and maybe win too, um, MJ Lunderman is on, on guitar. So sort of like a, a Asheville indie uh, super group here. But um, the album's getting a lot of buzz for good reason. I mean, it, it it's pretty easy for me to like something like this. It's it's noisy it's it's got really good you know kind of lyrics and everyday sort of mundane life stuff in you know even like to the point of someone getting a nosebleed at a party and another person playing mortal Kombat. you know i mean just sort of matter of fact lyricism but specific sure, specificity yeah and and you know like <clears throat> kind of all drenched in in feedback and you know kind of guitar interplay with um with like pop and catchiness underneath, which is always like a, a surefire way to get me hooked pretty quickly. Um, it's a, uh, I read up a little bit about them and Carly actually like got inspired to play guitar after seeing Mitski on, on tiny desks. So definitely an age difference here, but, um, <laughs> but you know, I think quickly obviously has picked up the craft and, and, uh, and the craft of songwriting and, and um, Alex Ferrara, who who we, we were kind of talking offline prior, mentioned Snail Mail. He, he produced Snail Mail and um, a few other notable indie acts. And you know, this is just sort of like if, if you if you're in that vein of, of liking, you know, early Jesus and Mary Chain, Sonic Youth, uh, you know, Ride bands like that. It, you know, they really kind of hit a lot of those notes. Um, whole, you know, it, it's it's definitely got a little bit of a Riot Girl going too with her delivery and and. Um, yeah, I think you guys, if you haven't taken a listen, will both like it. I, you know, this time of year, it's always sort of like a collection of albums. I'm not sure what's going to be on the on the final list at the end of the year, but I know this one will be on a lot of critics' lists, and and so far, it's definitely on my short list as well. Definitely, you guys have a chance they're, to they're diff- check it out. Yeah, their their differentiator is kind of that uh, the other lead guitar um, is a it's a guy playing pedal steel through a lot steel, of. Yep distortion and um effects pedals so it's a it's a very unique sound but it it's also very familiar it's very 90s i think it begs that uh begs the obvious comparison in that way to band of forces 
um, just it, like it's like building in that sort of Americana, uh, like there's there's something rootsy about it, which is inevitable when you you know pick those instruments. Um, but it it's not like hitting you over the head as a country album or a you know or a southern album or anything like that. It's just it's an indie rock album. It's a guitar. Um, it's it's an indie rock album with local instruments. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, from the south. <laughs> from indigenous. Yeah, peoples. exactly. Um, um, but but those are you know often and I think this is like this is true of of art in general, right? It's like it's you know that, that's the something that like aspires to be uh, the the best version of you know a, a, a genre or like a, a um, some kind of form of of art, but that like is still in touch with where it is and you know where it came from and and um, sort of picks up those pieces along the way. I always think that's that's some of the best stuff you can ask for. I mean, that's at the root of like all good alt country is that. You well, know? I'm going to segue into, I'm going to use that to segue into my first album, um, which sounds absolutely nothing like where this person came from. Uh, oh, wait, thank you. <laughs> it's, it's Eve Toomer's. Um, this is page two of podcasting 101. It's, uh, <laughs> it's just bury the hatchet in the person who spoke before you. Yeah. Uh, good, good transition. Um, the, this is Eve's tumors. Uh, praise the Lord who chews, but which does not consume, or simply hot between worlds. Um, I had to write that album title down. Um, it is. It does not roll off the tongue at all. Sort of changes uh, pace halfway through its own. Uh, being, but it's, I love this record. It's um, Eve Toomer, who, as I mentioned, is from um, outer space, kind of, but uh, hails originally from Knoxville, Tennessee, and has lived and recorded last several years in Europe, um, currently Turin, Italy, but uh, previously, I believe, Berlin um, and Leipzig. So somebody who's found a home out uh, far as far away from where they came from as she as they could um, but this album is really interesting the trajectory of Eve Toomer I, I don't pretend to be able to to track I think every album has been sort of a, a zag and this one um, like Rat Saw God by um, Wednesday has a lot of um, heavy layered guitars and uh, but sounds entirely different. They're sort of um, a building block, kind of like a Dave Sytek type of production uh, quality, like a wall that just who, sits on Dave Sytek? Dave Sytek from TV on the radio. TV on the radio, and, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Okay, uh, produced. Sorry. I think produced. Uh, yeah, 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 as, as well. He did um, Mass, <coughs> the song, yep. No, no, no. Yeah, he, yeah I know you're talking about. Um, but it has that sort of, you know, it's not up in the mix the the you know the guitar it's sort of like a bed on which you build a song um and uh eve tumor's got just a wild delivery uh questions a lot of very epic um subjects i think you know faith um i really obviously uh thinking about a little bit about god who is in the title and um it's 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 a hard album to explain, um, but so I'm really? not sending people <laughs> rushing to the. Uh, but it, but it's like um, it's 
very listenable. It's very, it's got a lot of shoegaze elements to it, but also a lot of sort of bombast in the in the delivery and the vocals. Um, just a killer record, and um, I will uh, I'll follow up with my second album with a much better, more articulate um, explanation for why it's great. Um, but until then, uh, check out Eve Tumor. <laughs> Uh, I love Chris, it. What you... oh, sorry, yeah, Joe. Jeremy, you've listened to it a lot. Too. Yeah, I was just gonna say real quick, and then uh, sorry, I'll kick it your way, Christian. But um, yeah, I really love it. It's like uh, it's probably kind of tops my list right now as well. And uh, I think the TV on the radio thing makes a lot of sense. Like if you like that sort of, it, there's like an interesting sound that's really kind of accessible at the same time. And, and um, you know, he reminds me of kind of like a modern day sort of hybrid of like Prince and TV on the radio, and you know. Um, just kind of somebody who's willing to experiment. I feel like I, I haven't not liked anything that I've heard by him. Um, but this album in particular, it, it's it's really big, and I think the accessibility and weirdness is a really cool combo because it it's super interesting, but it's it's like totally something you could throw on. And I don't think anyone would like, you know, people. It's would probably not ask, like, What is this? Yeah, it's it's just like a it's a super easy album to listen to at the same time as being like complex. So. Um, I love it as well. Just throwing that out there, and I don't know, Christian, if you've given it much time, where you can kick into your your album that you've been listening to. No, I I have, and I I guess like the interesting thing was I listened to it first. I came to it kind of without really having any context for it. I think you guys recommended it, and I was on like a long walk somewhere in in New York, um, and uh, so I I threw it on. Um, definitely heard the the musical, you know, the notes that you're that you're talking about. Um, I think TV on the radio was the first thing I said. Uh, actually, like I wrote back and was just like, oh yeah, this reminds me of like the best parts of that. Um, and and then uh, I, I guess like didn't didn't know anything about his persona or mm-hmm. or his sort of like his artistic, you know, uh, uh, character. Um, if it is a character, uh, and I think that part, like once I saw, you know, once I saw a picture of him, once I started reading about him, um, uh, the sort of, you know, Tennessee, like glam punk, uh, superstar who's relocated to Europe and it's, it's hard to avoid almost the, um, the David Bowie visuals, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And ironically, this guy's name is Sean, or this person's name is Sean Bowie, um, originally yeah and so that's it's always kind of a funny element to the story but i do th- yeah i think bowie is a major uh touch point Influence. here yeah yeah um so it's it's a really kind of you know I, I i don't purport to have any real understanding yet of of um what the message is here but like it looks great and it sounds yeah. great <laughs> so exactly um i'm I'm prepared to uh, I'm prepared to spend a lot more time with it and figure it out. How about that? That's perfect, the perfect prescription. I think that. Um, thank you for uh, clarifying my confusion. Um, <laughs> what are you listening well, to, Christian? So let me yeah yeah let me dive into to my first one. So one of them you've you've heard me talk about before, um, which is Daisy, and I, I brought them up. They were a they were a late surging this is gonna fuck up the whole end of year list um uh completely um like 
torpedo style uh, selection for for my end of year list. I think they broke my top five just out of you know general like spite and and the desire to cause chaos um, as as we were uh, aggregating our scores. Um, but the new album by Daisy. So Daisy is a Richmond based artist. Uh, it's one guy, uh, James Goodson. And he is um, basically writing and recording all of this stuff um, uh, on his own, uh, just just sort of layering it in there. And I think, you know, got started during COVID. Um, I should point out each album so far has been, <laughs> has come in, has like clocked under 25 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the latest, uh, it's always the latest a, it's always a yeah, few points on your, it's like signing your SAT. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, it's, uh, the most recent one is Other Body, the the one that we talked about um, over uh, <clears throat> around around the holidays was Out of Body, um, and so if I were to describe the the progress here or the the sort of Evolution. directional shift, I would say you know Jeremy pointed out early and it was just that there's you know it was really dependent on this like loopy drum machine um, in a way that uh, was actually, I, I agree, a little bit distracting. I was comfortable putting it aside because it was basically Beach Boys punk and as you know, those are um, you know three of, three of our favorite words on this podcast. <laughs> uh, but it had like it had that quality that I think um, ultimately like Big Black's album, Songs About Fucking has, where it's like, I love this but for this drum machine and I don't know what like it's it just it means that no matter how many times you listen to it, it's going to be a little bit like there's a little bit of monotony in there um I I, th- I think and and I'm you know could be completely making this up uh so James Goodson please come on this podcast and correct me um but uh I believe that this is this has got real um uh musicians playing um playing each of the parts here um and and it's just even even that extra step toward melodic and power pop um, and away from the sort of like wall of fuzz uh, that he had on the previous album. So I'm I'm like first of all in love with how prolific he is. Like if he if he wants to crank out a 25 minute album every three months for me, um, mm-hmm. I uh, I am on board with that um, because that's exactly what I'm looking for. Uh, but it's, it's really great, like tones of, you know, of all the best power pop over the years, um, and sort of fun, like, uh, quick moving punk, um, which, you know, I think, I think is instant kind of ear candy to pretty much all of our listeners. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's yeah, a certain um, Adam Schlesinger quality to the guy's songwriting, um, from, you know, Adam Schlesinger from Fountains of Wayne. There's just like, you know, they could, it, you feel like this guy could just cough out a, a pop hit and if he doesn't throw enough distortion on it it could actually be a hit you know yeah yeah and no that's that's right that's funny I was actually listening to an old Fountains of Wayne album the other day which I do not normally go back to but um, just to uh, it was a weird time yeah Jared and I took a spin they, they, around they exist in a very strange place in music yeah like and um, you know, wrote a lot purpose of purpose built for other stuff. Well, but they're like the band that, like the Offspring, they are purpose built for like ninety nine one WHFS. Yeah, they were definitely like, had that. 
Like not a. It's like move. it's like a little cooler than main rock, like mainstream rock radio, mm-hmm. but like not enough, or not cool enough that it's like no longer on the radio. So mm-hmm. it requires this very like confusing balance of. It, it basically, it only happened at like peak radio saturation <laughs> um, in the in the nineties, uh, and like you would hear, a, you would hear a violent femme song, uh, a like an offspring song then you would hear fountains of wayne but like a deep cut not stacy's mom and then you would hear sugar ray <laughs> and like that just somehow that was the that, that was, was the, the commercial playlist of my youth um, welcome to sixth grade in alexandria virginia yeah um yeah. so Jerry, I, what, I would I, say the daisy record real quick it, i agree christian i i um i'm like the first one, and I, I was certainly a little like it just didn't have the oomph for me. And this one, like right away, it's it's a great power pop record. It's it's like I would have probably talked about it if you hadn't grabbed it. So it's it's a definitely a step in in the right direction. It's just a really good album. I mean, it it's, hits like the cheap trick slash found the lane, like everything you <laughs> boom, want. Boom boom boom! You just said the you just said the our safe word. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, switching gears, what, Jer, what is your what is your second recommendation? What, yeah, what, so this uh, one's kind of this would be. What else are you listening to? What else am I listening to? Um, this one is is unique. I'd never actually heard of these guys, and um, when you said you saw them in L.A. like five or six years ago, um, ten, ten years ago, gotcha. So, it's the Young Fathers. It's a um, Edinburgh Scotland band who um, who like are basically. Um, either of immigrants or immigrants from Africa and they play like really kind of funky like it's a again like tight pop songs that are you know incorporate a lot of like African rhythm dance music um pop um and you know sort of uplifting lyrics uh, I haven't like gone deep with them I, I, this new album is called Heavy Heavy and uh it's getting a lot of a lot of press I think rightfully so and it's just a cool, different album, you know? Like, again, I don't know who's going to end up on my year-end list, but this was one that, like, when I was just sort of spinning through new stuff, um, grabbed me as something different. And, and sometimes that, you know, kind of incorporation of different cultural music and world beats can really turn me off, to be honest. Um, but in, in this case, they, they do a really good job of, of bringing in, like, catchy rhythms and... and um, and just a cool sound and I highly recommend just taking taking a listen if you haven't already it's uh I know when you said you were pretty impressed when you saw them 10 years ago I again had not heard of them or maybe you had mentioned them and I just never followed up um I, I like the name as well with the group but it's three three guys basically and and uh and just a pretty cool sound and cool band I think they're going to continue to to garner a lot of attention this year the the comparison's obvious because of the racial makeup of you know one white guy two black guys from the UK, but they kind of, you know, they kind of have that like Fun Boy Three feeling where, you know, they feel like they move as one organism, or they perform, yeah. you know, they sort of sing or, you know, express as one organism. It's like there's, um, and in fact, the the other funny thing I was thinking about these guys is that when I heard uh, a song that we all love, "Dumb Surfer" by King Cruel, I just automatically assumed it was these guys because it's that's that's their sound. Um, yeah, it's an interesting, like, cool. I agree. It's it's uh, and it it did kind of take me back too to like you were saying, kind of the that like late '80s or I guess it wasn't late, probably mid early mid. '80s actually, 
Um, but those sort of interracial UK bands, you know, like specials and haircut. Two-tone. And, yeah. And it's, uh, it's, it's not necessarily, it doesn't have a ska sound by any means, really, but it, it's, uh, it's definitely just that multicultural kind of blend. Um, no, it's, it's cool. They're, they're, and and they're, sorry, go ahead. No, they're, they're kind of hinting at hip hop, but it's it's just a very percussive like. Yeah, super um, drum heavy, and they also like the, um, this is like their fifth album or something. So it, mm-hmm. it's like they've been going at it for a while. So I was gonna say just that like I, I think Wyndham when we first listened to him it was probably two thousand I don't know like fourteen something like that yeah. It was the year, yeah, I think so, because it was that, that year that so I was out in L.A. with you um, for a couple of weeks, and I remember throwing it on there, but, like, I think they won the Mercury Prize that year. Um, yeah, they're, they're, and, they're built for that, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, they're, it's the kind of band right. that critics love and can't understand why they haven't become massive. But I think they're also big, I mean, I do think they've got a real market in the U.K., like, their, their albums chart, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, they I'm just, like, in doing a little bit of reading to, to get ready for today. It's like, you know, their songs keep getting used in, like, each iteration of, like, the FIFA video game, which is pretty huge, actually. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> If you think about how many yeah. hundreds of <laughs> millions of copies of that get sold if, uh, yeah, worldwide. I was um, going to say that plus, that is the, for those of you people who don't know, uh, FIFA is um, a soccer video game, and soccer is to Europe what, uh, violence is to the U.S., so it's the equivalent <laughs> yes. of getting put in Grand Theft Auto here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something like that. Um, and uh, and you know, I think also they were in the um, the new Train Spotting um, soundtrack. That so, makes a hundred uh, a lot of sense. Yeah, that would be. I mean, yeah, they are. Yeah, they're cool. Locals. They're from Edinburgh. Um, they're from housing estates in Edinburgh. One of the guys in the band, it looked like, uh, had actually lived in, in the U.S. and grown up in Maryland for a while. Yeah, um, it is. So. One was Maryland briefly, and then uh, I think the yeah. Nigeria, and then uh, U.K. But, you know, it's, it's, another, it's another one of these groups where, like, and I, I think I need to develop this thesis a little bit more, but there is something that's, like, in England, like, poor communities and in particular are so dependent upon like you know uh state like play areas and like mm-hmm. um state it's it's partly i think it's a, it's a function of like the geography and the concentration of, of people in in cities um as opposed to you know like poverty in, in rural america um like but it does seem like you have uh it does seem like these bands are like very connected and, and sort of enmeshed in like their their the social structure that they came out of mm-hmm. um and somehow like reflect all of all of that uh sort of diversity and and um all of those different like community influences which is partly why you get so, s- stuff that like it just doesn't and I'm, I'm thinking you know a good i mean the the, the sort of the standard bear for for a lot of that stuff was like MIA or um, street like just yeah very political at, at one level but also like it can be kind of mundane too um, I, uh, yeah maybe we need, Winehouse. We need to think about this a little yeah. bit more but like it, it just seems it just seems connected to like the sort of the the government mm-hmm. and you know and reflective uh, of it yeah 
Yeah, yeah, reflective of like maybe some of the social, um, s- social creations of of the twentieth century in in England. Like this wouldn't have happened were it not for the mm-hmm. government building like you know these types of housing estates and putting all of these different types of people in one place. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think that's sort of fascinating. Uh, but it really is Born also born in courtyard uh, soccer matches. Yeah, and and unique to the UK, like it's not some. I mean, I guess it's you, definitely you unique to the UK. I mean, you catch it right away, and I think it's one of the one you know countries that has continuously put out that kind of like just smack. Where you don't get that in the US, really. Where I think US poor or sort of un, underprivileged is segregated more in terms of you know like yep. there's hip hop is very black and came from the black community and you know um, hillbilly music comes from hillbillies or whatever but like uh it's it's there there's definitely just that's like density and, and different like you know the different it's a middle eastern african you know there's a lot of different cultures kind of smacked together and then uh, the mm-hmm. roots. but yeah I, I totally agree and this in this album in particular very much sounds of that and that's probably why I and mean, maybe they'd catch on here and it certainly will get critical acclaim but i think that's why they are huge there and, and not so much here mm-hmm. they're very they're very british very I mean, they're Scottish, but they're very, um, it's of a place. Yeah. So my, my second, uh, album is also, uh, very British, but in a very, very different way. Uh, it's Jesse Ware's That Feels Good. And, um, it was funny. I was thinking about this because it's, you, you hear this and it's, it's absolutely wall to wall bangers. Um, Jesse Ware, uh, is a, you know, is a singer, a belter, and the album is a cert- certainly a hearkening back, um, and people I think will by default call it a disco record. Um, but it's it's kind of funny. There's like a there's like a light funk era that um, it, it definitely was folded into disco. But it bands like it reminds me of bands like the Brothers Johnson and some early Shaka Khan and Rufus stuff. It's it's got more. It's got more rock and roll and real instruments than a lot of disco had, um, so it winds up having. Oh, like, I think you're referring to the album now. That's what I call funk, Volume Six. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Speaking of uh, Rhino uh, collections, great British uh, uh, contributions to society, but um, <clears throat> you know, it's just the songs are really good. Um, she's she's an interesting story. She um, is the daughter of a. Um, television personality, a, a, a BBC reporter, uh, who became a, a sports columnist uh, or a sports writer, uh, journalist early on. But she went to school, went to high school with uh, Florence uh, from Florence and the Machine and Jack Pignante, um, and then became was a backup singer for both of those people before she struck out on her own. So um, she kind of uh, apprenticed almost. Um, with with Florence and the Machine and and Jack Pignante, who had that hit song a number of years ago that we loved. I can't remember now what it was. Jared, do you remember? No, I don't. Which one, Florence or or the Jack, Jack. Pignante? He no, he's a much I bigger. There was one really good song. Yeah. He's a much I bigger performer in the UK than he is obviously yeah. here, but had the one hit that is very recognizable. Um, but anyway, this is No Time. No. Is that it? Uh, Torn on the platform. Nope. It was like a Shelby Lynn. Yes, pull my heart away. It was pull my heart away. It was a you know just a really good. um, 
Yeah, just a really good like danceable pop song. Um, like and she's sort of council kind of shit. Totally. That that's the funny thing. That's you know that was where I was going with um, that sort of light funk. Um, there is, uh, you know, it, it's like I said, it's a default to call this a disco record because it's a dance record, but it it really is more of like a. Um, it has more in common with like the style council in terms of song building uh, than it does, you know, Sister Sledge or something. Um, but it uh, again, it's yeah, it's it, not it's it, not fake strings and roller disco. It's, correct. Uh, it's like it's sly. It, yeah, it's she like also just Quincy, brings Quincy. like a modern sound. I don't know. It's it's not modern sound. It's kind of a throwback for sure. But it, it's like there's something about her delivery too and her song structure no, that like. But it's more. Um, it, it's more like Daft Punk. Yeah, uh, doing. Yeah, like, there's just a modern like, cool thing on the '70s than it is like the '70s, right? Yeah. Yes, but it, it definitely is. Uh, you know, it's it, you could I can draw, um, you know, compare immediate comparisons from every decade, and every decade, of course, you know, there are people doing throwback stuff. I mean, Jamiroquai and Lisa Stansfield, and but they were there was a modern element to that soul to soul. Um, yeah. You know, it, it has that early '90s like producer era stu- uh, feel to it, but it, it also just has an immediacy that's like, you know, it's like if Adele put out a really good dance record. Um, she has that. You know, I don't. Uh, I think we're splitting hairs when we're talking about the difference in, in vocals between Adele and other people, but you know, she has the she has the goods. She has the goods to deliver. I mean, she's, and also she's, um, you know. Uh, very close to, I think she's 39 years old and is now sort of becoming a pop star, which I always think is fun. Um, you know, people who have lives mature and then um, start writing songs. And, and these songs, you know, I'm not going to say they're like deeply personal because they're fucking dance floor bangers, but they're really, really good. Um, and even the even the album title and the title track, gonna say that the feels first, good. Yes, yeah, great. <laughs> it's just a great song, and who you know, it's one of those sentiments that uh, come up every once in a while. You're like, how the hell did nobody write that lyric before? It's like that's I feel like she's good. been around for a while. She and, has. Uh, yeah, but like she doesn't have a ton of output really, and it's. Um, I mean, when like forever, it's 2012 or something, which I guess yeah, is a long time at this point, but. Um, yeah, I, I I agree with you. It's like, oh, how did people forget to have fucking this much fun? You know, it's yeah. a great fun record. Like, and when people do it well, you're like, you just completely forget. I mean, I can see this definitely hitting. You know, you could pop this on any party this summer, and people move. Yep. And uh, I feel like you'll hear and this start to finish, which is great. I'm yeah, looking forward to some boat rides with this jamming. By the way, when at some point so. that is 100 percent going to happen. So. Um... It's gonna be a boat. It's gonna be a. It's a summer. It's a summer record. Um, even though you can burn down the disco to it. So anyway, uh, Christian, what is your? Uh, what are you listen? What else are you listening to? So the last album I wanted to talk about today is uh, Dust Star, um, which is a band uh, put together by Justin Jurgens um, of. I guess he was in Sirs and. Um, it, then Cameron Wish, who was, uh, he was in a band called Send. I don't know if, if you remember them, but I, I was a big, big fan of their stuff um, uh, a couple of years ago. And legend has it that these two um, decided to start a band 
together uh, on LSD and Joshua Tree, um, which has to have happened at least once. Uh, but, yeah. uh, you know, and, and sort of went home and later that summer they, uh, uh, they went Isn't that the entirety of the Queens of the Stone Age uh, discography? <laughs> yeah, well, the sort of, yes, although these guys didn't, perhaps... But these guys didn't like com- like come out of a dystopian Mad Max future to play rock and roll music for us. <laughs> um, they came out of like uh, uh, like a late '80s, early '90s, um, you know, sweet listening sesh. Um, yeah. And uh, so, you know, I think the the lead album is is really just sturdy and good uh, power pop tune uh, that you know, is kind of sprinting out of the gate and doesn't really let up um, and and sort of love that. Uh, I think there are, it's it, it becomes a sort of more complicated album um, or, or the, the songs get a little bit sort of, you know, more developed. It, it doesn't, it doesn't sort of stay in that one beautiful, blissful gear. Um, the, the whole time uh and you know I, I think there there are a couple sort of radio friendly tunes on here um a couple of things that sort of uh, you know harken like teenage fan club or um mm. you know some pixie stuff uh obviously big big names to be comparing this to but i think it's it's definitely uh, definitely worth spending some time with uh if you haven't already you will um you will definitely like it Nice. Yeah, I I like the sound a lot. There's um, is it did both guys sing? Cause I, I kind of had it on a shuffle with some other stuff. Um, are there two different singers, or am I imagining that? I think so. Okay, because I, I remember like hearing one. Sometimes I I catch like when bands have multiple singers, like one guy That's I really like question, and one guy I can't. We, we said no hard questions. I can't take as much. <laughs> um, but I felt like they were definitely like hitting the sound and notes of, of like, or at least the songs that, that I kind of tuned into very much in that power pop, like uh, early eighties kind of sound and, and uh, which I really like. And then, um, but I definitely have to give it a, a little more lesson. And then there was one song that I felt like it, they were just, uh, it was like a little too bratty still. Like they weren't totally committed to the sound, but, um, but that could have been just that one track. And that's why I was thinking there was like two singers, but yeah, I dig it. I think it's good. I'm going to listen to it some more for sure. Yeah, and I th- well, I think um, they've also got. I'm not sure what the connection is. I know that they're both SUNY Purchase guys, so like that's. Are also, they New York based or Cali? It's, uh, it's I think Mitski. they're LA based. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's Mitski. It's uh, um, a lot of actors I worked with over the years. Ton of actors. A lot of what? A lot of actors yeah. I've worked with over the years. I mean, Edie Falco and um, all the Sopranos folks. Ving Rhames went there. Uh, it's big acting school. Big on artists. Yeah, I mean, sheer mag, right? Weren't they? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, um, there was a while when there, it seemed like everybody was coming. It felt like SUNY Purchase owned New York City it did for, for a little bit. For like 2015 to 2018, everybody mm-hmm. was a Purchase band. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like the Wesleyan they, of, the, of the you know following decade. 
Yeah, and it was awesome, actually. It, it's a, it also just made me think it was a wonderful place to go to college. Yeah. Um, still don't know where the fuck it is, but who cares? <laughs> I think it's up um, by Greenwich, Connecticut. I think it's up... Um, yeah, it's somewhere up Like there, Harrison yeah, I, I see signs, signs for it. Um, but, like, they they also, you know, I, I know they've... Uh, they've always had um, cool performers and stuff up there, too. And... You know, I think it's just, yeah, it's a place that really kind of nurtures the arts. Um, and so you end up, you know, understandably with, uh, with a lot of quality coming out of there. I mm-hmm. think, who, uh, who was the, oh, Regina Spector was another one. Mm-hmm. She was like one of the first um, sort of like Breakouts. big indie stars, yeah. yeah, that I remember um, going there, but... Uh, but, and I think Ice Spice, too, recently. Mm. So. so, I think we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to end this one like we end every episode with a, uh, what are you listening to, and putting a song on the everlasting gobstopper of a playlist that we made. Um, Damien, take it away. Today we are talking, uh, what are you listening to? The podcast episode where we go back and forth and talk about our, uh, our favorite new music. Um, I think we, uh, we've got a couple of great albums here that we've just talked about. Um, Dust Star, uh, we were talking about Eve Toomer, um, Jesse Ware, Three Others. Wednesday. Young Fathers. That's all good. Young Fathers, and Daisy. Mm-hmm. So it was uh, it was a great episode, and thanks guys for uh, for for jumping on. I think we want um, we want to put a couple songs on our ten million three hundred and forty eight thousand uh, song playlist. Um, but before that, you, before that, actually, you want to before do, that? Yeah, what are you listening to? Uh, non new music edition. Books edition. What do you? Who are you asking? <laughs> oh, I'm throwing it out there, Christian. What are you listening to? Uh, so I, so let me go back and recommend like a, a novel that I've I actually may have talked about before here. This is like the trashiest, pulpiest, um, 
like 70s or i guess early 80s novel uh no 70s um called the crash of 79 by paul erdman um and it's uh it's kind of like a if you like um generally i would say if you like sort of international thriller type uh you know politics and like making decisions you know a small number of people and cabals making decisions in in smoky rooms and that conspiracy sort of books um yeah kind of a conspiracy book but uh this is like one of the best i've, I've ever read um and actually I, I don't typically reread novels but i'm going back to this one just because it's so much fun um and it's essentially about a uh you know, a guy who sort of retires um, from finance at the age of 50, like super wealthy, goes back to his horse farm in California um, and uh, then gets called in because he's, you know, he's so bored, basically um, doing nothing, gets called in to work for uh, for the Saudis as they're trying to figure out a way to to get their petrodollars um, out of the country. And, and uh, you know, what 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 follows is essentially a point by point description of the actual um, sort of energy crisis uh, and petrodollar crisis of the late 1970s, which I, I'm sure turns a lot of people off. But I can I can promise you that it's like it's one, it's really impressive because it was written in 1976. Um, so it's it's actually just a future cast, uh, just a smart, thoughtful, predictive book. Um, but, but in addition to that, it's like the characters are just, you know, it's, it's, if you can accept a little bit of sort of James Bond level silliness, it's, it's really a lot of fun. sounds like a Ken Follett or Robert Ludlum kind of thing. It is. Yeah. It's, it's definitely in that vein. I didn't want to say it was a spy novel because I think that's so genre specific and there are so many like devices and tools that are used in that fiction that isn't used, you know, in mm-hmm. other places. I'll check it um, out. But it does have it does have that. But like that's yeah, it fun. if that's the book it would replace in your uh, in your rotation this summer. Nice. So, Jared, what are you listening to? Um, so I've been reading a book actually you recommended as a, I may have some questions for you by Re- Rebecca and is it Maki? Is that how you say her last name? Maki. I don't. I don't yeah, know. Anyway, McKay, 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 but um, yeah. but it's a again kind of just a page turner, uh, New England boarding school uh, premise, and a, a student who goes back and from you know the night who there was a murder in the nineties and goes back in the twenties to twenty twenties and, and uh, just the difference. I, I'm not not all the way through by any means, and, and I like it so far. But it's a total page turner, great summer book, and then. Just having a little bit of a toe in the water of that world. It's, there's some funny, uh, you know, just having grown up in high school in the 90s and, and uh, versus and the today, children of today. It, there's some great student comps that are funny. Um, and then I, I went on like a deep dive back to music, which I know we just talked about, but um, thanks to Christian asking about Yola Tango, I just kind of went back and revisited a catalog that I, I really love and, and uh, a band that I realized is, is kind of just sort of been there for a lot of my uh, existence and, and um, there's in particular some touch point albums that, that I fucking just like can put on any time and, and so it was great to go back and just sort of listen um, and that built up to the to what I think is a great album that we didn't mention today is their new one um, Stupid World so you know a band that has just kept 
the formula and uh, kept things going and uh, always happy to listen to them. And then, of course, NBA playoffs and things like that. But that's kind of what I've been up to. How about you, Wynn? Uh I just read in a mighty hurry the new Dennis Lehane book, Small Mercies. Um, and it is, if you, I mean, <laughs> this is, I think, a genre, a genre onto itself at this point, uh, the Dennis Lehane book. But um, he is back writing uh, Paige Turner, Boston Most specific. Mystic River. For those Mystic River, know. Gone Baby Gone. Um, uh, he wrote, he was a writer on The Wire, among other things. Um, but, you know, he just gets the vernacular. And this is one that is, you know, dicey because it takes, uh, it's about a missing person, a missing girl, and a, a murder of... Um, a black kid in in the 70s uh, during the busing riots Um, and a missing white girl from the projects in Southie and how those worlds intertwine. It is, um, you know, it's got his signature knowledge of of local vernacular customs attitudes. Um, You know, it's got a Whitey Bulger character, which is inevitable for that time in uh, Southeast history, but it's, um, I remember seeing Dennis Lehane, uh, meeting him a hundred, you know, uh, probably 25 years ago now at the Boston Athenaeum, his friend of friends. And, um, I remember him speaking and saying he, it was one of my favorite things I've heard a writer say, he just said, uh, you know, he was, I think he was either in college or getting his MFA and, um, you know, there. There were, everybody was writing in this sort of uh, abstract, you know, nothing happens and it's all about the words that get you to nowhere. And he's like, and I just wanted to tell a fucking story, you know? And that's what he does so well, is just tell a fucking story. Um, so, again, it's a, it is, I, I finished it, I think, two sittings, because it's a kind of book that just grips you, but um, it is a, uh, warts and all ugliness of, of Boston back then. And um, it's, it's very enjoyable, or very uh, admirable. Um, and uh, that's about it. Um, what song are you going to put on the uh, gazillion, uh, play, gazillion song playlist, Christian? I'm going to go... This is going to seem like a weird choice, but I just, I have loved this song my entire life. Uh, and it's it's Betty Everett's The Shoop Shoop Song. That's uh, in his kiss. Yeah. It's awesome. It's just, it's like pure pop bliss. You really can't, like, you, you're better pressed to find, or you are hard pressed, rather, to find a better use of two and a half minutes of your time, I assure you. Yeah, that's a great song. It was the, Sherry did that for a, a film called Mermaids, which oh, was... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which and that uh, came and went completely without my ever knowing, and well, uh, was, that's just fine. <laughs> the first time I remember back. seeing Christina Ricci, uh, and it was Christina Ricci, Winona Ryder, and Cher. It was actually a cute movie. Cher, what are you putting on the list? I'm gonna do um, Bon Iver's uh, For Emma, which is a great song. Nice. I heard it the other day, and I hadn't heard it, it in a while. I also have a song, one last song to ask you about before before you go, Wyndham. Um, I heard, I think, Leo Sayers, You Make Me Feel Like Dancing, uh-huh. for, I, I guess I've heard it before, I never realized it was a guy. Yeah, it, was Dad, this just a, Dad was this a huge Bee Gees 
It was pre-Bee Gees. Right. I mean, it wasn't pre-Bee Gees, but it was pre-Saturday um, Night Fever, certainly. Which song? You Make Me Feel uh, Like you Dancing. You Make Me Feel Like Dancing. Uh, I think maybe that's a better... Is that a better pick? I think it might be. Uh, um, I liked your first pick, but go f- put, put, put them both on. Put them both know? on. He gives a shit. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's do it. Yeah, it's a it's a great falsetto. That's yeah, that's da- the thing. Dad loved like, to sing along with that, and you know, uh, crank his falsetto and and uh, and make <laughs> jokes about Leo Sayer not having balls. That was that was like a you know, that was a car ride from you know, oh from uh, that you have once or twice <laughs> San Francisco airport to to Berkeley. Uh, yes, far more than once. Um, all right. Well, I was, you know, I had all sorts of great ideas of what I was going to put on, but um, I, my mind has gone blank. And I heard this song on a commercial the other day, and um, <laughs> since I've got Jesus. the attention span of a toddler, the, the Burger King um, theme, <laughs> yeah, yeah <that's> good. <laughs> <laughs> which now is in my head. Happy, <laughs> it's um, she's a rainbow Happy by the Stones. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that song's awesome. Which one? Sorry, she's it. a rainbow by the Stones. Oh yeah, that was a great song. Yeah, um, cool. it's it's just a weird. That's what one of my favorite Stones albums. That is, like, just is that blanketly maligned by critics. But uh, it is such a funny, weird record, and they were just trying so hard. It's such a try-hard album, but it makes me it makes me happy. It was an album that I listened to long before I sort of developed um, a sense of cynicism and and uh, you know sort of critical uh, um, you know sort of uh, acknowledgement of critics. And it just is like a it's a stupid upbeat album by a band that was just trying on a new outfit and didn't fit. You know. <laughs> Um, but uh, I urge you to listen to that. There, actually, um, I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna do "She's a Rainbow." Um, but I, in the spirit of Christian putting two on, I'm actually gonna put on "Citadel" by uh, the Rolling Stones as well, which is a very uh, it's a very deep cut and uh, probably one of my favorite Stone songs. So I'm gonna put in "She's a Rainbow." I've heard it. Citadel. Yeah, I don't, I don't know Citadel. I don't Great know, guitar. Probably do when I've heard it. Yeah. But cool. And then BK have it your way after that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, um, that's uh, that's actually for you, Damien. DK have it your way. Yeah. Uh, we could go out with that. On your B day. Um anyway, thanks you guys and uh, we will talk soon. Sounds good. All right. Later. I'm Wyndham Lewis. On behalf of my brothers Jeremy Sartori and Christian Lewis, thank you very much for listening to the Brother 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 podcast. Many thanks also to our heroic producer, Damien Kendall and to Simon Doom for our epic intro music. Learn more about the pod at brotherpod.com, follow us on Twitter and Facebook, and it's extremely helpful if you rate and review us on iTunes. Thanks again for listening.